We are super blessed today to have Matt and Lisa Jacobson on with us. They are just a treasure, and I feel like some living legends, to be honest. They have eight kids. They do ministry. They've home educated. They have uh, been pastors of probably a lot of couples that you know and uh, have listened to. But I feel like you glossed over the eight kids thing. That was way too (laughs) glossy for me. I mean, they and they were so gracious, and they say they get asked this question all the time. And so we basically asked them what. How did you come to the decision yeah. to have kids? They got married actually a lot later than most. Yeah. And Matt was 31. And we'll hear their story and just yeah. how that worked. But I think they, they spoke a lot of truth and shed a lot of light on this kind of comp- the complexities of marriage, but also around deciding when to have kids, how to go about that in unity mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Right? I feel like it's they said it in some newer ways that we just the truth, biblical truths in some new ways that were very refreshing and hopefully will inspire you all as well. Yeah. So brilliant people. Um, we're honored to have them on the show and I'm confident that you will feel blessed uh, by this episode. So thank you for joining us once again and we'll see you on the other side. Listeners, we are so thrilled to have our guests here today. Here we have Matt and Lisa Jacobson. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank doing you. Great. Super good to be here. Man, you guys are kind of legends um, in our sphere. You're in the Northwest, right? You're, you're based out of Oregon, correct? That's right. And so we have some mutual friends. We have, uh, and a lot of our listeners, I, I think they tend to float between <laughs> kind of like uh, the, the the Smiths and the Partridges and you guys and the, and us, the Fredericks and the Roloffs. And so there's a lot. And you're connected with all those people. So why don't you give us just a little bit of an overview of kind of what you guys are up to like here and now. And then we'll get into some of your um, kind of history as a married couple, but also as parents. Does that sound all right? Sure, absolutely. Well, listen, okay. about six years ago, God just threw the way God does things brought all of these couples to our little assembly and they became part of our church. And just over the course of four years, there was just a great discipleship mentorship uh, program in place. And we all got to know each other really well, walked together for Mm -hmm. that period of time. And God just brought some amazing change to, uh, to lives and to ministries, to marriages. And it was really awesome to see. And then, uh, I would say, what, two or so, maybe a little over two years ago, we sent off uh, one group to start a, a church. And it's an independent church. We don't, we don't uh, maintain a centralized control over the fellowships that are yeah. birthed out of Klein Falls Fellowship. But we sent off one group. And then uh, about a year ago, we sent off another group, the Smiths and the, uh, and the Tolpins. Wow. So, yeah, absolutely. Partridges went with the we're, we're, we're uh, leading the first group out and then the Smiths mm. and the, the Tobins and the Smiths, the second group. So anyway, that's just what God's done uh, with the church. And then there are the ministries that have really been part of our lives for now going on, what, nine years, something like that. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Club 31 Women? Yeah. So about, I think nine or 10 years ago, I started a little blog that I thought was just going to be a, a personal blog, uh, club31women.com. And my my heart was just to encourage younger uh, wives and mothers in their ministry and and singles as well, because so many people felt so alone in this journey of mm-hmm. faith, especially with mm-hmm. practical skills. Yeah. Um, a lot of churches are, are encouraging maybe some bigger picture stuff, but weren't really addressing like, what does my day look like? How do I handle these real life problems? Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I felt as a younger wife and mother as well. So I was uh, excited to have the opportunity uh, to be able to share that. I was, I had originally started writing emails to different people. And then my teenage daughter at the time came to me and she said, 
you know, mom, you could just write like on a blog and then everybody could read it. And I said, well, what's a blog? And so she goes, okay, let me set it up for you. <laughs> so, and that little did we know that how God was going to end up using that in much bigger ways than I certainly would have pictured. The irony of the whole mm. thing is for two years prior to Lisa starting that, she said, Matt, you've got to start doing this. You've got to start doing this. Come on, start writing. Start, you know. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she did it. And then Professional mag right then, there. Right. <laughs> and then about two years later, I go, you know what? I need to do this. So you actually, this. Lisa led the way. She did, uh, relative to the online presence. And then I started faithfulman.com and uh, just wanted to challenge men. The irony of faithfulman.com is 75% of my listeners are women. Uh, is that right? Is that still true? Or, and readers are women. Yeah, okay. 25% men, which is very interesting. And the other thing that we find just fascinating, and this speaks to that issue of the younger generation not having that practical instruction, our number one audience demographic are, uh, are married people ages 25 to 36. Mm. which surprises huh. us because when we yeah, look in so the much... mirror, we're going, you know, you're not spring chickens over there. You know, so. Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> I am. Oh, absolutely. I'm speaking for myself. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a there's a, a bit of a void. And that's what we felt in, in the marriage space that we've kind of mm. found ourselves settling into is that, I mean, you guys are right. There's definitely a need and specifically among millennials. And, and we mm. consider technically we're millennials, although we don't feel Just like barely. That. we're <laughs> We're old yeah, you guys are on the tail end of it, or on the front end of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you're pushing forty, aren't you? Uh, Thirty-seven. So don't push it. All right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Wow. I'm getting in trouble everywhere here. Besides the microphone here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, we. So we're. It's kind of weird because we we were, and again, not to talk about the kind of our context, but being like in high school, smartphones weren't a thing, mm-hmm. and then cell phones began. I had a pager. At like my freshman year in high school, yeah, and that's like how, how my parents got a hold of me. Yeah. Very cool. yeah. They would like page me, and then I would call them from like a payphone or something. Um, and then, and then cell phones became a thing in high school, and then like smartphones became a thing like five or six years later, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's completely revolutionized. So we kind of saw the world pre-internet, pre-computer, just through, and then now, now it is what it is, and here we are operating on the internet. So, but that also within the context of just churches having done for so long like the seeker friendly thing and so now when you start actually presenting the gospel and like practical outworkings of the gospel it's like mind-blowing it's revolutionary for these younger couples right yeah it absolutely is i think one of the reasons why this sort of dearth of training has happened i think there's been such an emphasis on one aspect of the great commission and that's Mm. the evangelism go and Mm. preach the gospel but of course the great commission is multifaceted it's it's a it's it's an entire uh, enterprise, it's not just one endeavor, which is the evangelism endeavor. It's to teach people, mm-hmm. making disciples, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. And so mm-hmm. that gets right down into the nitty gritty of daily life, walking with each other as Christ called us to walk. And so I think that's one of the reasons why uh, there is such a hunger for actual practical teaching is because I think there's been such an emphasis on one aspect of the Great Commission that I think we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. That, you know, God really wants the truth of the gospel to be realized in the home as a foundation of the, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the enterprise that he's putting together in the church that Jesus is building and what he's called us to do. Mm -hmm. Love Love it. it. Yeah. Uh, Amen. So let's go back. Let's go back to to young, young, just married man, Lisa. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about your story and how and when, because you guys have nine children. Nope. Eight. 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 Sorry. Yep. Eight. 
Almost. Surprise! Only, no, only oh, no, it seems like nine or ten sometimes. <laughs> sometimes yeah. there's just more. It feels like more. Right. You have eight children. So. Um, <clears throat> I think you can speak to our audience. We get a lot of you know just questions and uh, wonder about when should we have children? How many should we have? So before we get into that, let's hear kind of your story of of you know when you guys met and kind of your your faith journey in that uh, and deciding to become parents. Well, you know what? I wanted to have a great marriage, and so I found a woman who agrees with 100% of everything I've ever said, and so it worked out excellent, right? <laughs> who'd, you find? who'd you find? That's the trick, huh? Yeah, who'd you find? <laughs> who'd right, you exactly. find? <laughs> okay, so how'd we meet? How'd we meet? Actually, Matt and I were older when we um, met. I was 26, and Matt was 31, and we uh, met on a blind date, and... I decided that night that I was, he was the man I was going to marry. And I felt <laughs> God revealed that to me to, not that that happens very often, but that is kind of how that happened. It took him I a can lot identify. longer. Yeah. It took him four, <laughs> four days or so longer before he <laughs> Forever. It yeah. takes yeah. a little bit longer, I guess. And right. he was a, little, a little slower, a little more cautious. <laughs> so on the, yeah, after five days after a meeting, we decided that we were going to get married and, um, yeah. We and did. so we did. Wow. Five days. Wow. But but the thing, you know what, it is kind of a funny story, but it takes too long to tell. Uh, but Lisa hated my guts for the previous eight months okay, to that's this. True. Okay. So there's a there's a hilarious story. I did meet In him fact, briefly at like a meeting and I just thought, oh what a what a jerk. I, <laughs> I felt like you were gonna say something else there. <laughs> we got the censor. No, what a hunk. What a hunk. <laughs> what a hunk. <laughs> yeah. So if, if anybody's, if I could just say this, you guys, if anybody's interested, we do have this story on uh, faithful life podcast. If anybody wants to listen yeah, to it there, the it's, awesome. it's, I think it's one of the first ones yeah. right in there. Awesome. Awesome. It's, I'm going to go really listen to that. She really did hate me and hate is wrong for a Christian. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now I love you. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys were 31, 26 and you, you met, you, you had kind of a, quick uh quickly identified this is the person i'm going to marry so yeah. how long from that point until you're actually married just a few months later actually that we we got married and a lot of people had well actually our pastor one of the pastors at our wedding had predicted oh those two are going to wake up hating each other yeah we uh, it's kind of funny so be careful what you say <laughs> oh, no. because yeah. some it will get back to the people yeah. that you said it about but anyway <laughs> so yeah so somebody's very <laughs> close to us that statement was made to him and he told us and so <laughs> we laughed because we've never, ever woken up, even a single day in our marriage, ever woken up hating each other. Yeah, in some ways, the awesome. Lord used it for good because it did, uh, at least for in my thinking, I thought, well, that is something I never want to have happen. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we were already intentional, I think, when we got married, but that really made me mindful of being intentional every day that that it would never get to a place that that's, you know, where we would be. Well, and one of the things that people forget, and they forget because they're used to what's common around them. Mm. Yeah, we look at what's common and we go, oh, that's normal. But see, mm -hmm. a normal marriage is what you find in the Word of God. A normal mm -hmm. marriage yeah. is wonderful, full, rich, fun, open, no shadows, hot as tar. Read, read the Song of Solomon. <laughs> okay? mm -hmm. Amen. Make you blush. Yeah. <laughs> okay, get, Pastor Matt. <laughs> get, get, get rid of the euphemistic references to fruit. You've got a solid R rating. And by the way, the story itself started in a garden with two naked people. So this is God's idea, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. right. So, so a normal... A normal Christian marriage is an awesome marriage. It's a wonderful marriage. Now, it doesn't mm. mean that it's a Easy. marriage without challenges, okay. because Lisa really doesn't agree with everything I say, even though I said that in the beginning. So, 
So there, there are challenges. You get mm -hmm. to work, you get to grow, you get to learn, you get to mature, certainly. Mm -hmm. But I would just encourage anybody who's listening, don't accept this thing that you see in the culture, all the struggle, all the darkness, all the difficulty in marriage yeah. relationship, and say, oh, I guess that's my path. I want to be married, but I guess I'm going in, you know, you know to the I'm tunnel yeah, I'm because mm -hmm. of what I see everywhere mm -hmm. around me. You don't have to have a marriage like that. You mm. can have an awesome, wonderful, positive, life-giving marriage. And any couple, any two people that is willing to come to the Word of God and say, I am going to embrace what this says. I'm not going to read the mail. I always talk about reading mail. Read your own <laughs> mail. I'm not going to read what's written to my wife and say, hey, hey, you're not doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read what's written to me. And I'm going to say, God, do your refining work in my heart. To any couple that is willing to do that, you're going to have an awesome marriage. God's got a great marriage for every couple that will do it his way. Oh, good. Um, so good. Yeah. So, however, oh, I want to, I want yeah. a little addition there is that's absolutely true. Totally believe with, believe in that. And 100%. I also know that's a huge stumbling block for people because they, that's a big if, right? If you have two couples that two people that are willing to go, it's a big if to God's yeah. word. I mean, that's, but that's really the, the essence of the human condition, right? It's like, are we willing to submit ourselves to the authority yeah. of God, to the authority Absolutely. of scripture? Are we willing to trust that? And I, I think that's where a lot of marriages, yeah, they can, there's two sides of it. It's like, you can, you can idealize marriage and say, it's going to be perfect. It's going to fulfill everything. I think when we talk, we're on your podcast, we talked about how sex doesn't solve anything. Yeah. And sometimes we think that marriage will somehow solve things because we can now have, you know, sex freely and all this kind of stuff for guys mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. Uh, but unless you're willing, that's the idealistic side. Then there's the kind of the darker kind of dimmer view of it, meaning that's going to be hard. But but bottom line is either one of those will fail unless you're willing, like you said, to just genuinely and consistently and diligently submit yourselves to the word of God, to the authority of scripture. And then then you have a common baseline. Then you actually have a place to go to grow together. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to draw that out because I think we can gloss over that. That is a huge, that's like the essence of the Christian life is learning to fully submit to God's authority in every way. And when, and that's, I think, why marriage is so valuable because it puts that front and center how maybe we're not doing that, right? Well, absolutely. And I think a lot of people have this idealistic view of the way it's going to be because now I've found my soulmate. So right. we wouldn't want anybody to hear that there aren't those difficult valleys that you get to walk through. But mm. the thing about being in the valley, I mean, life is going to try to pull you apart and, you know, when you're faced with those circumstances uh, that are uncertain, just remember to hang on to each other because mm -hmm. you can do this together. You can walk together and the sun's going to rise tomorrow and God's mm -hmm. got a plan and God will see you through <clears throat> the valley. The point is, is that you don't have to have that uh, relationship destructive kind of journey that so many people choose to walk. Did you hear that mm -hmm. word choose? See, that's the <laughs> thing. We choose to walk these paths. We really do. And so we, can, we, we have the power to choose. We have free will to exercise walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. I also just wanted to add that, yes, ideally, two people are working at this. But we also don't need to feel helpless if one person is the first to be convicted or wants that better relationship. And we don't have to wait until I'm just going to speak to the wives now. We don't have to wait until he does the right thing. We don't have to wait until he wants those same things. We can actually do what's right ourselves. We can choose love. We can choose righteousness. And so good. And 
and hope that mm. that obviously that that will have an impact. The Bible talks about that having an impact on our husbands. So we're not helpless, even though it can feel that way. Um, but mm. there is a great power in being able to go. I'm today. I am going to choose to do my part to do what is right in our marriage. Mm. So good, so good, and so timely. Yeah, and when we get those messages, I'm sure you guys do. But so often you get it's from a wife or a husband saying like, "What? I'm hopeless, right? I've tried. Mm-hmm. My spouse is yeah. not engaging. She mm-hmm. doesn't love me anymore, or he just doesn't care. And what mm-hmm. do I do? And it's mm-hmm. it's it's so the the struggle that we have is that we want to be like press into to to Jesus, press into God's word, yeah. like still stand on that hope. But it just can come across as just like a, a pat answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like look to Jesus. And but while that is true. I think hearing it here, it feels so much more like rooted in, in like the true compassion that, and the true, I think. Um, well, it's instructive yes. saying like you can, yes, you can still do the right thing today. And I think that's liberating yeah, for a lot good. of women of not having to wait, but, and just, you know, yes, be hopeful, but while you're waiting, do the right thing, right? Do what God's calling Absolutely. you to do in this day and moment. And I love that. I love that. Well, so I think I, a lot, oh, go, oh, ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I think a lot of people look at this business of holiness and they, they they wouldn't say this, they wouldn't answer this question in this manner on the multiple choice exam, but <laughs> they live in a manner <laughs> that says, yeah, I can be holy as long as this other person does the right thing. As long as this other person <laughs> yes. makes the right choices, then I can be a godly person. Mm-hmm. And of course, that has nothing to do with the life of Christ in us. We are called right. to be holy irrespective of what other people do. And that's mm-hmm. what Lisa was getting at in terms of, well, you can make the right choice. You don't so, have to uh, walk away from that close, intimate communion, communion and fellowship with God because someone else is choosing to do that. Now, it's mm-hmm. tougher. It's much harder. But that is what God calls us to do. He wants us to be holy in our circumstances, regardless of what those are. I mean, as a spouse, it's my job to make sure that that is an isn't an onerous, difficult thing for Lisa. Mm. Yeah. Right. Love it. I'm to walk. The closer I walk with God, the more I love him, the more I draw near, the more blessed she is as mm. my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's really where our focus should be. Mm. So good. So good. So I know everybody's probably itching, at least I am itching to hear about <laughs> all the lovely children because <laughs> we get lots of questions, especially about how do you have you know, how do you decide to have a big family or what, when do we start having kids and how, how is that going to affect our marriage? And, and just all, how do you do it? How do you, how, like, how do you well, manage a household with manage, eight yes. kids? Not how do you <laughs> clean it up, Freddie? Sorry. Right? <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. How, how do you manage it? And yeah, well, how, do you, how did you come across that? I mean, how did you, when did you make the decision and go. how did that mm-hmm. all transpire? Well, the first <laughs> thing that, you know, successful parents do and know to do is to go to Home Depot and get duct tape because it's oh. really great for, <laughs> you know. I can always tell what a joke is coming. He gets this little tone of voice. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's yeah. Oh, back. Comes. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. I think I'm funny and that's part of the problem. And, and I laugh at you, <laughs> joke. not helping at yeah. all. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, I, I do have a lot of people ask, oh, did you always plan on having a large family? And the answer is never in a million years. I never pictured that. I had actually never heard of such large families before. When Matt told me he was one of four, I thought, wow, four? I didn't know you could have four kids. Like, that was just amazing to me. <laughs> and um, so because we were a little bit older when we got married, we I did want to have children right away. I think right on our honeymoon, I said, okay, 
I want to start having babies. And he goes, uh, that's a little different than not that you were open to having family, but my heart really I changed. mean, I knew how it worked, but I mean. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to turn your mic off. <laughs> so, um, but we did start our family and I kind of at the time had the one at a time policy. Let's do, or at least that was my hope, only one at a time. And for me, it was a huge transformation. I was not uh, maternally minded, I would have to admit. So motherhood was a, a shock and, and the hardest thing I'd ever done. And it took me by surprise because I had been successful in so many other things I had done before marriage and motherhood. And so I guess I just assumed I'd be successful at being a mother. And I mm. found it so much harder than, than I thought it would be. Just um, one of the things that I was involved in before marriage was missions. So I had been in Africa, I had been in many different places on the mission field. So I felt like, hey, like I have done the tough things, right? I've lived in mud huts. <laughs> Right. I have had malaria. What could be worse? Well, you know what? <laughs> I found out that <laughs> even on the mission field, there's a bit of pick and choose what you're right. going to do and not do and what you're going to take and not take. In fact, and you never did eat those bugs, I think. For but, instance. Yeah. Um, and, and motherhood was 24-7 and there weren't, there weren't just many options. There wasn't furlough. There wasn't, um, there wasn't a break. And so that's, God used that to reveal to me how frankly, how selfish I really was. I didn't realize how selfish I was, but I had a lot of my ideas, my time, and that had to be um, brought before him. We we used to think that just having a large family was a little nutty, you know? So, but when the, and, and especially when the first one came along, all right, and we'd flop into bed at night, Britain, he's 26 now, we'd, we'd flop into bed at night, we'd go, okay, so how do people do two? Because this is exhausting, okay? Full time endeavor here. Right? Yeah. Then you have two, and you're going, okay, 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 divide and conquer, I get it, but three, you've got to be kidding, yeah. okay? And three is, by the way, the toughest number, when you're having them in rapid succession, it's very tough to have three little takers. How many guys do you have? We have three, have? but they're, they're six, three, and five months. So a little, okay. a little spread out, yeah. Not, but yeah. yeah. So the, but the thing about kids relative to the kingdom of God and relative to the people of God, the Bible is not silent on God's perspective on children. And mm. I think for the most part, the church is like the disciples. Okay. So Jesus is getting ready to minister. And these women want to bring their young babies up to Jesus to bless them. And, and, and the disciples say, Hey, 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 you get, those kids are going to get in the way of the important ministry that's going on here. You need to get them out of here. This is a problem. And Jesus, the Bible says, didn't just rebuke his, it says he rebuked them publicly. So he let everybody there know that he's setting these guys down. You're wrong. Okay. And he rebukes them publicly and he says, let the little children come unto me for of such as these is the kingdom mm. of heaven. Uh, we don't, we're like fish and a fish does not know it's wet. We are in our culture and we wind up being like the culture. We wind up absorbing the values of the culture. We wind up thinking of children in the manner that the uh -huh. culture thinks of the children. And what children are at best in this culture is a way to accessorize my life with something novel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> but what I'm children, loving it. Just what, so good. <laughs> Keep but going. What, but, but that's at best. 
uh, at worst, children are in the way of the life that I'm determined to have. And that's why there are so many miserable Christian mothers in the home because they, they say, yeah, I do want kids. So a couple decides to bring kids into their lives, but then the kids are in the way of everything, everything that they want to accomplish, <laughs> everything that they want to do, the sleep that they want to get. Kids are really hard on your flesh and your plans. Mm -hmm. But here's something that everybody needs to remember. Just like Jesus rebuked his disciples, children are never, ever in the way of what God is doing in the world. Children are what God is doing in the world. So, so children are going to get in the way of your plans. Children are going to get in the way of your ministry, but they'll never get in the way of God's ministry and they'll never get in the way of God's plans. Children are God's plans for the church. We need to remember, if I can just go for a little longer, I know I'm kind of talking a lot, but but, but Satan loves fruitlessness. Mm. And see, that's a value of this culture mm. is physical fruitlessness because that fruit gets in the way. That fruit needs tending. That fruit needs being taken care of, needs, needs nurturing, needs discipleship, needs instruction okay. in the things of God. Satan hates fruitlessness. And so, mm. guys, I'm going to blow your minds here right now. Okay. Everybody listening, (laughs) prepare to have your minds blown. I'm nervous. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, all right. So I did an exercise a while back because I really looked into this deeply and I thought, okay, so I'm going to write down every single reason that Christian couples tell me that they don't want to have kids. Okay. I'm just going to list it, list it out. And it's like, uh, we're not ready uh, we want to be together a little longer and get to know each other a little better. We can't afford it right now. Um, it's too expensive. Um, I'm not emotionally prepared. Just it's in the way of my job. On and on and on. I just listed everything that they said. Okay. And then, then I went to Planned Parenthood's site and I thought, hmm, I wonder what they would say are the reasons not to have kids or that people should consider not having kids. Hmm. Two an issue, the lists were identical. Mm. So it's worth considering Mm. since we get into a culture and we absorb the values of that culture, it's worth considering, wait a minute, Mm. do I have the mind of the Lord or do I have the mind of the disciples, which Jesus Mm. rebuked publicly? Isn't that something, all of the reasons not to have kids, exactly what Mm. Planned Parenthood was teaching in their discipleship program. Wow. wow. So is this a journey for you guys to to go along together and saying, I mean, I imagine maybe you guys started out with these same sort of questions. I mean, you got you jumped in and started having kids quickly. But as you journeyed, you know, having one, two, three and four, and then was it just kind of a we're just we're allowing the fruit to happen and, and God's going to do what he's going to do? Or was there any sort of. Um, yeah. How much agency did you exercise when yeah. it comes to actually deciding to have a kid or not to have a child, right? Especially when you're like on your fourth or on your fifth. I mean, how do you, how did you go about making those decisions in unity as a couple? In light of what the was the thinking behind Bible, it? Yeah. yeah. I think in the beginning we were just, we were eager to start our family. We were enjoying being parents, even in spite of the, the challenges of it. We really did love this journey. It's refreshing. However, Thanks. Yeah. yeah. At, um, but it, at some point, we started, you know, especially with people challenging us, like, when are you going to stop? Is this going to be the last one? <laughs> um, and that was the the struggle, you know, the, sure. that we had to work through. And Matt came to the conclusion sooner than I did that that we shouldn't be thinking this way in terms of, well, when can we stop having these blessings? When should we stop these gifts? 
And he spoke to me about it somewhat, but he also, for the most part, he just decided to quietly pray about it, knowing that it was going to impact me far more in you know my daily life than it was even going to impact him. And I appreciated his wisdom in that and just kindness, I think, in, in letting me wrestle with that myself. And so he challenged me to look through scripture and what does the Bible say about children? So that was a starting spot for me on my personal journey. And then I had met this woman who was the mother of 10 kids, which blew my mind. Um, and she just seemed so intelligent and classy and radiant. <laughs> and, and, radiant. Mm -hmm. and she happened to be the wife of one of Matt's authors. Um, and so when he went back east to sit down with this author, he was an agent at the time. Um, I said, can I come on this trip? I, I want to talk to his wife, actually. And he said, sure. So we sat down, we had dinner with them. And I asked this lady, I said, help me understand, because you seem like you've got a good head on your like shoulders. You're sane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sane. And I don't get it. And she said to me, and it was a longer conversation, but but the, the point of the conversation that I came away with, she said, you know, every day I ask the Lord, what do you have for me in this day? And I'm like, because I want to receive that. And I said, mm. so do I. That is what I am working on. I'm working really hard on that. And I do want to receive that, she said. And I, I applied that to every area of my life that I could. But I realized there was this one area of my life that I said, no, I'm in charge of this part of my life. And I will decide who, what, when, and how, basically. And she said, the Lord convicted me on that. And that gave me something to think about. And really, for mm. me, that was the, the turning point of... And when we say that, you know, it's not, Matt and I don't believe, oh, you know, whoever has the most kids wins. We're not from that um, perspective right. at all. We have had our own struggles and challenges along this journey, including like people think, oh, you must, like, do you have easy pregnancies? I didn't. I was very sick in all of my pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And our, um, our fifth child, the first baby that was born after this conscious decision was our Avonlea, who was born with severe brain damage. And mm. so um, that was a, that was a hard thing to, to walk mm. through, but. Well, then that's what Satan does, right? Mm. You're obedient. Mm. You feel you've heard from the Lord. You're obedient. You embrace his plan. And then we have four perfectly healthy, wonderful kids. And then a severely brain damaged child is the result of our saying, Lord, you're in charge, not us. Mm. Mm. And uh, so those were challenging times, uh, but you know we never we never questioned God, we never shook our fist at God, we were never angry with God. But we did cry uh, a lot. To uh, reference mm. the title of a of a book that I completely disagree with, um, because <laughs> be, because God, you know, God's answer to Job wasn't, "Oh, hey, mm. I understand that you're really frustrated with me." God's answer to Job was, "I'm God, and you're not. Mm. You weren't there." when I right. laid the foundations of the earth. And, yeah. and of course, Job, Job suffered vastly more than we were suffering. We were suffering. It was very difficult. But, but we just said, no, we're going to embrace uh, a, a God who loves us despite our, mm. the circumstances. And so that mm. was the path for us. And, uh, and essentially, we just said, Lord, uh, you're in charge. It doesn't mean that uh, there aren't ever exceptions to this, but the problem is, is Satan's convinced the whole church that everybody's an exception. And if I, you know, have a little, you know, ache in my side because of a bit of underdone potato, then I guess I should put off child, you know, children for the next three years, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, it's just Satan loves fruitlessness. We've got to remember that God mm -hmm. is about fruitfulness. Satan is about fruitlessness. 
Mm, that's so good, guys. And I imagine this whole, the fruitfulness uh, also led your decision to home educate, um, which I know other moms are probably like, whoa, how did you do that? <laughs> which that's probably a different podcast, but um, <clears throat> just your decision to to do that and to mm-hmm. continue in the ministries of of marriage and family life. How did you make time, I guess, for each other to make sure that, you know, your marriage is in a good spot or that you guys are in unity um, with so much going on, (laughs) so much goodness. We are very, very committed to each other first in in our relationship. So even right right from the get-go, we had coffee every morning together, just him and I, and that was our time together to connect also in the evenings, but we started each morning together. And over time, our little kids started joining us for this coffee time, which they were allowed to join us. They weren't allowed to just take over the coffee time. And even now to this day, all of our family meets together for coffee every morning. And Mm. our older kids who are live across the country, most half of them do. um, They like, if we ask them, what do you really want? Like when you come home for the holidays for summer, you know, summer break, they'll say, we just want coffee time. It's the only thing we you know, want to make sure that we don't miss. And- yeah. And I'd say one of the principal things that we did relative to our relationship mm-hmm. was we let the kids know from the very beginning that uh, our relationship is first. Now that doesn't mean if kids have needs, we don't right. walk over broken glass <laughs> on our hands and knees. <laughs> Right. To, to meet those needs. Yeah, right? That's a diehard reference there. <laughs> but, 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 but relative to the energy that and, and this, the, the attention that children will require, it's roughly three bazillion percent. So they'll suck up every, every energy molecule <laughs> in the room. It's true. And so we literally would carve out time and go, no, you know, you're, you're not bleeding wait. from your carotid arteries, so you're going to be fine. You can wait. <laughs> Um, and we literally made the kids recognize that our marriage was of value and a blessing to them. And I'm going to say something in the beginning, this was a bit of almost an experiment, right? We didn't, we've never been married before. We've never had kids before, but we felt deep down that this was going to be our priority and we were going to make sure that it stayed our priority. And there were times over those years we think, oh, did we do it right? You know, did we make the right choices? Did we, should we give our kids more attention? Should we, you know, all the things we're normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now that we have older kids in their twenties, all of them have said, you know, one of the best things you did for us, dad, mom, was your marriage. And the more we get out in the world and see couples and families, we realize how beautiful a gift it was that you and dad love each other so much. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So good. So good. So encouraging. Um, and you, you answered my other question I was going to have about how did you just kind of manage it on a day-to-day basis? And <laughs> I know there's, I, I, I could just ask you questions for hours on how did you deal with all these different, you know, uh, we were in the young kid season. It feels like you guys have been in the, you were in the young kid season for many years. We were. Um, That's right. um, but yeah, we have two more questions actually. And then, and I, Matt, you've launched a thing recently that I think is so valuable yeah. in today's culture. Um, it's called the Freedom Course. Now, could you just spend a few minutes telling us what that is and what your hope is? Because I'd love guys, guys or gals, if you're listening, to, I don't know if it's exclusively, exclusively for men or for men and women, but whoever's, uh, I just would love for people who need it to get it. So what is the Freedom Course? Sure. Well, the Freedom Course was designed for this horrible scourge that is overtaking yeah. the church. And that is this familiarity, this use, this comfortable relationship that the men of God have 
with pornography and with sexual sin. And for some reason, it's just swept the church. Uh, the, the, the statistics from the Barnard Research Group are just unbelievable. You know, 80% uh, dipping in from time to time, 50% of pastors, it might even be higher than that. And the thing is, is that it's so incongruous with what the Bible teaches about mm-hmm. how God calls us to walk. And so if you look at this life on the one hand that is dipping into sexual sin, maybe looking at something, maybe thinking of something, maybe satisfying yourself sexually apart from the knowledge of your wife, being unfaithful in so many ways, you look at that and then you juxtapose that with what the scriptures say and you go, well, you know, there's no relationship here. So something is broken and something is wrong. When God brought, and by the way, uh, all of the millennials that God brought uh, to us six years ago, uh, many of them, and they even ha- they've often given testimony. Aaron Smith uh, is very public about his testimony and how God, yeah. um, you know, we, we walked through that. Uh, I walked through that with him and how there was a transformation there. And see, the thing is, is that we have this idea that, oh, I'm never going to get past this challenge. I'm never going to, I'm never going to have victory. And the God is into victory. God is into triumph. God is into walking faithfully. He wants his men to walk faithfully. So I created the freedom course. What I do is I teach live. There are five sessions each month and I teach live on how to understand God's perspective on this sin, God's perspective on your relationship with him, and then God's plan for you to walk in real victory. So it's for the course is for right now it's for men. We've gotten, by the way, uh, quite a number of requests for a course for women. So we're talking about developing that too. But the course is for men who are ready to do battle, who are ready to pick Mm -hmm. up that sword, the word of God, and use it in the battle, getting it, getting it bloody in use as they drive Mm -hmm. it in to sin, selfishness, and, and the things that, and temptation. And so essentially I teach men how to walk uh, uh, how to to get free and how to walk and how to do battle. That's what it is. So essentially we have five sessions in each month. And at the beginning of each month, we start a new class. So anybody can go to faithfulman.com forward slash freedom, and they can sign up for the next class. Wow. Man, I love hearing your heart for that. I mean, you're articulating it in ways that, man, a, a good friend of ours once said, we need to stop treating porn like a fly at the picnic and treat it like what it is and it's the viper yeah. in the bedroom and it will sure. kill us it will yeah. it will amen it will suck all the life out of our mm. spirituality out of in terms of our relationship with god but also our relationship with each other anyway so i he- love hearing your heart behind it i'm on 100 percent uh on board and behind it so men oh, if you're listening you. to this definitely go to it's you go to faithfulman.com slash freedom yeah forward slash find, freedom forward slash freedom and you can find um, the way to enroll in the latest kind of round of it, but I can guarantee that it will it will change mm-hmm. your life. So check that out. Um, we have our we have our final question for you guys, and this is one of our favorites because it kind of gets to the heart of of what we love, one of the things we love. So Selena, why don't you go for it? Yeah. So we our last question is: What is your favorite or most uh, memorable date? And you each can answer it if it's different. Um, cause some people think one date is better because yeah, they planned it the or something. Um, but what was a, a, one of the more memorable dates that you guys have been on together? And it can be when you're married, of course. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> Better not use mine though. <laughs> All right. I'll go first. So now the thing is, is that this memorable date didn't end the way I wanted it to, but it was still an awesome date. So what we did is a different um, one that I'm thinking of. Okay. (laughs) Because, oh, you're going to tell that. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so we have some really funny, 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> we, yeah, you can't. There's one that we can't tell. Okay, okay. stop. Anyway, but um, so. <laughs> well, now you got it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So it was, uh, this was before we were married and I had made up my mind that this was the woman for me. And I went and I bought some uh, Jean Petou 1000 perfume and uh, we, I drove Lisa up to Timberline Lodge and on Mount uh, Hood. On Mount Hood. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. a lodge. That, yeah, just awesome, beautiful uh, structure up there. So it, anyway, we drove up there. We walk into the dining room, and uh, the the the, uh, the host says, uh, "Okay, well, there's your table. It was over by like a drafty little window." I said, "No, no, no that's not going to work for me." So I went over and got the table, and I drug it across the restaurant into <sighs> the middle in front of their <sighs> giant. Fire. They've got a fireplace that's just this huge, roaring it giant that belongs in a castle. This is kind of a castle, isn't it? So anyway, so I and Lisa's going. Oh my word! Is he going to get arrested? What's he doing? And, <laughs> so and, and I just told everybody, "Oh, this is going to be fine. It's going to work. No, no worries. No worries. We're good." <laughs> so anyway, I did that, and everybody's going like, "What? Who are you?" And Lisa's going, "She. I think you were a little embarrassed." When, when you, but anyway, the whole time we just I've had such a great time. <laughs> yeah, we had this great time in front of this big, beautiful, roaring fireplace, mm -hmm. and uh, it was awesome. That that's what I remember talking to this beautiful woman, hmm. who hmm. I was pretty sure I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Awesome. <laughs> if I played my cards right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well done. Well done. That was well done. The part he's not telling you is that he drove me home and he was, and we got out of the car and, we, and I was staying at my parents' house because I lived down in LA at the time. So I was just up in his area for a bit and he was planning on kissing me goodnight, but I didn't realize that. And, and just saying, I wasn't a dater. So this is a big move for me. So I feel like I was really putting it anymore today. Like, yeah, big, deal, big right? deal, right? Okay. For us, it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And just when he's getting sure. ready to kiss me, my entire family and a bunch of friends that were all staying at my parents' house all like opened up their windows and the doors and just started yelling because <laughs> they knew that the kiss was coming. So we didn't kiss. <laughs> day they protest. But... I know. So he didn't kiss me. <laughs> and I uh, went home and cried myself to sleep because I thought, he doesn't love me. This was oh, on day no. three, right? We had to get a date or day four, I guess. Yeah, day it's like a lifetime in our dating relationship, right? Yeah, seriously. It's like a third of your dating life. Exactly, right? <laughs> right. What's your best date? Well, I was going to tell you can tell. Yeah, my best date was actually the next day is what I was going to share. Oh, okay. So this is working out well. All so right. the next day, we decided to have, uh, we had lunch together. I'm going to tell a short story. But we, um, but I thought, because he didn't kiss me, because he was so weird when he said goodbye, that I thought, oh, this guy is not even, like, he's just, out. he's just doing the friends thing. And I am 26. I do not want to do friends. And friends. <laughs> so I was super cold and just. Oh, yeah. So I'm waiting for her. I'm so excited. She's coming to the office and I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. So we're going to go on at lunch. It's just going to be great. She, okay. So have you ever had that experience? You've been in a house and you're on, you're on one end of the house. And then all of a sudden this cold, chill air just starts wafting through. <laughs> <laughs> she walked into my office and I'm going, what in the world? Did you just get back from Antarctica? What's happening? Here? Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, no way, buddy. I'm doing the cold, cold thing. So we did go to lunch, but I was very short and rude to him based, you know, just because I just didn't want to. He's wasting your this. time. <laughs> Thank you. I knew somebody would understand. And uh, so at kind of a last ditch effort, he said, hey, why don't we go for a hike? And we live in Oregon. It's very beautiful where we live. There's lots of hiking spots. And I did like hiking. So I don't know why I agreed because I was so done with you. Um, <laughs> and we went back to his apartment so he could just ch change out of his work clothes and into, you know, hiking clothes. And then he came over to me and 
he said, well, here's the thing. I was in the bedroom going, okay, buddy, let's put up or shut up. She's leaving town. <laughs> so my story. I have, I have got to lay it on the line there. So, and for me, it's like, okay, your whole world, your whole life. It's, it's like my heart is on a plate, stick a knife in it if you want, but I'm going to go for it. So I walk over nice. to her. She's, we sit, I said, Hey, can we sit down before we go hiking? And she goes, sure. And so we sit down and I look into her eyes and I say, well, I just want you to know these last few days have been the best days of my life. And I am so, so sad that you're heading back to LA. And I just want you to know that I've really, really enjoyed my time with you. And then she turns to me and says, I'd be more comfortable talking about your books because. <laughs> and that's how she said it. I'd, I'd be more comfortable talking about your books. <laughs> I had a great library just saying, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not moved and, and I comforted at reader, that moment. So there's that. Oh, so she stuck a knife in your heart. So that worked out well. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but I was thinking, oh, he does care about me. Oh, this is going to all work out. So we didn't say a word to each other the whole time over to my parents' house where I was staying so I could change into my hiking clothes. It was just dead silent. But I was happy. I thought, oh, this is going to work out. Not knowing the whole time he was thinking, I got to get out of here. This woman doesn't care about me. Oh, yeah. The gears in my mind, the metal shavings are coming out of my ears because I'm going, this is out. I've got to get, this has got to stop. I'm out of here. I've got to drop her off. we got to get away from this. So we get to my house and he starts to say, hey, I'll just drop you off. I don't think this hiking thing is a good idea. And I thought, no way, buddy. You are staying here. You admitted you liked me. I'm saying all this and she runs upstairs just yeah, while I'm talking after her. I'm not, this is not. I'll be down in a minute. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> Sometimes a controlling woman is a good thing. Just so. <laughs> you didn't hear me say that. Okay. So we, um, awesome. we had this very awkward drive up to the, this hiking spot. And because obviously we're two very different pages, both of us planets, hurting. Not pages, yeah, planets. <laughs> and it was just, it was awful. And by the time we got to the hiking spot, I just thought, okay, this guy's an He's, he's an idiot. <laughs> he's so up and down. Great I can't start. figure him Great out. <laughs> and uh, we got out. We climbed up to the top of this beautiful... The whole walk up there, I'm going, okay, why, how, did, how is this happening? Why are we here? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking the same thing by that point. We got up to the top of this uh, beautiful area, and it was just grassy with trees everywhere. And, and all of a sudden, like out of a movie, there's this herd of deer just kind of bounding through the woods, yeah, through this sort of alpine. Yeah, it was amazing. Clearing. It was and like a I hallmark moment. And I know just a this minute. is my story. Yeah, I know, but but you're not going <laughs> to tell the part where somehow you got face to face with me, like we are in this mic right now. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but we were just a few inches away from each other, and he said, "I know what I'd like to do right now, but I don't know if you'd be comfortable with it." And mm. I said, "It's your move, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> so and I kissed her. And oh, you had to tell that part. No, no, no. Our teeth. It was the. It was the most the funniest, most unreal. Our teeth clunked together. Which I just went in for the big kiss, the big romantic kiss okay. with the deer bounding by. That does in not the movie moment, and we yeah. went clunk, and, and then we just burst out laughing. So romantic comedy is. That's so great. So we walked. Wow. We walked away holding hands, and he said, "You know what this means, don't you?" And I said, "Yeah, we're gonna get married." 
Wow. And, I'm and we did. No, That's awesome. We have to walk back to the car and get some no, gas. No, no I didn't say that. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's, that's what it, it meant. And, that, and we never look back. We never look back. That's and by the way, awesome. our dates now, we love our dates. We love spending time together. And so those are great dates. <laughs> mm -hmm. But honestly, it gets better and better and it better. Does. Love it. It really does. That uh, is some true encouragement right there. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Oh, man. That's probably one of the best ones yet. Yeah. I'd say. I love it. Yeah. So good. <laughs> well, man, this has been such a joy just having you guys. Such a blessing. On, and yeah. a blessing, yeah, to us, but also I know our listeners have been blessed by it. So listeners, men, if you are, um, if, if what you're hearing here is resonating in your heart and you've heard about, we talked about the Faithful Man slash Freedom, which is the freedom course that Matt's putting on, definitely go to that. Check that out. Go to faithfulman.com forward slash freedom and you can sign up for that but uh also you guys have a ton of resources all over the internet so if someone wanted to find some of your books i know you guys have written a ton of books uh matt you were in publishing for many years now you're on the other side of it where you're actually writing books where should our our listeners go to find your resources absolutely well we have two sets of books that uh, everybody can check out one is called 100 ways to love your wife 100 ways to love your husband so that's a set of uh, his and hers books and just like so you know they're they're available on Amazon and uh, Christian Books. They're available at your bookstores, but Amazon has them on almost a 50% discount right now, the bundle. Oh, so does wow. Christian Book. If okay. still wow. a lot of people like to buy at christianbook.com, so that's a great place to get them too. So that's one okay. set of books, 100 Ways to Love Your Wife, 100 Ways to Love Your Husband. And then the second set of books is called 100 Words of Affirmation Your Wife Needs to Hear, 100 Words of Affirmation Your Husband Needs to Hear. Hmm. And so hmm. those books are available everywhere. And uh, sound great. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, Matt and Lisa, once again, thank you so much for being on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. It's been a joy, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thank Sounds you so great. much. Thank you, guys. All right, friends, thank you for joining us for this special episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast with Matt and Lisa Jacobson. As we mentioned during the episode, you can get Matt's new course. It's um, the Freedom Course by going to faithfulman.com forward slash freedom. And I'm confident that will be a huge benefit if you're dealing with any any issues around sexual purity, sexual temptation, dealing with sexual sin. Um, I'm confident that that course will be a, a bounty of blessing for you. And as we mentioned during the show, you can find all their resources by going to uh, Amazon or uh, Christian Books or any of those types of places and just searching for Matt Jacobson or Lisa Jacobson. They have some amazing resources for you. So once again, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you in a few days. Until then, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com, or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.